You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hi, folks. How's it going? It's 2019. This is the first episode of 2019 coming at you. Oh, man, that's exciting. It's going to be in a good year. I feel like it's going to be a, just a fantastic year. And I think you should start off the year properly. What do I mean by that? I mean, start it off with a fresh wiring harness from Gun Street Wiring Shop. Sean and the crew down in Bend, Oregon can make whatever you need. You want push-pull pots, you want series parallel, You what, what do you need? They got you. They'll hook it up, and it will be finely assembled. It will be beautiful, and if a buffoon like me can install it, then you know you can handle it too. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out. We are also brought to you by Keeley Electronics. Fine, fine stomp boxes down in Oklahoma. You know Robert Keeley. He's like one of the pedal kings or something. I don't know. I'm not sure what, what he is, but he's he's definitely a legend in the industry. Keeley Electronics makes some of the best effects in the business, and they have for many, many years. Make sure and check them out also at NAM 2019, which is going to be great. It's going to be great fun. Rob and the team are really doing some cool stuff. I'm really excited to see what they have coming. He's hinted at some pretty insane things. So make sure to check them out, rkfx.com. If you Google Keeley, you're going to find him. You know where to go. Check out Keeley Electronics on all the socials and all that stuff. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Robert Keeley, Keeley Electronics. They got what you need. Lastly, if you like the show, if you want to support the show, if you can go to tonemob.com slash reverb to do any of your pedal shopping or your string shopping or capos or anything you need that's on reverb.com, if you go to tonemob.com slash reverb and do all your normal shopping, a little bit of that will get kicked back towards the show and help keep this whole thing rolling. doesn't cost you anything extra, nothing like that. You just do all your normal reverb shopping through tonemob.com slash reverb, and that helps keep the show going. Also, I want to say thank you because a lot of you are taking advantage of that, and that helps out a lot, and it's just a win-win-win for everybody. So if we could keep that up, that would be amazing. So thank you very much. I know a lot of you use reverb, and that just makes it just a little bit easier to keep this thing on the rails. So without further ado... I am very, very excited about this episode. I think it came out really excellent. Sadler plays with uh, one of my favorite artists, Jason Isbell, and um, it was really cool to get to talk to him. He's a super awesome dude, and he's he makes cool music himself. So go, go check him out after you listen to this episode. I think you guys are really going to like this. It's awesome. Also, he will be at NAMM. So, you know, if you're going to be down there, uh, you might hit him up. He's doing some... Uh, some picking and a grinning at the at the Vox booth, I'm told. So, anyway, all that to say, here's an episode with Sadler Baden. Boom. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Sadler Vaden, guitarist extraordinaire. 
Thank you. That's quite the tag. But thanks for having me on. Yo, thanks for being here. I really, really appreciate it. This You're is going to be, I can already tell this is going to be, this is going to be good. I, f- I feel that too. Know. We're 30 seconds <laughs> in. I'm feeling like this is going to be very special. Oh, it's the, you can almost feel the magic in the air, right? <laughs> good times. So I obviously know a lot of the answers to some of the questions I'm going to ask you, but not not all of them. And this is one of those not all of them because I don't know your history super well, but this is always a good place to kind of kick things off. And, you know, it's a very broad and usually takes a while to cover. But what is your musical backstory and how did it lead you to where you are currently? I would say it, it started... Um... Well, it, it would start before I picked up the guitar at age 10. Uh, my parents played a lot of music in the house growing up. They weren't musicians themselves, but they were just music fans. Um, so I grew up with just music going on. Um, so my dad had a uh, pretty nice record collection. Um, and he was born in 1952, so you can imagine the records he collected Oh yeah, uh, through his life um, and in in those different eras, so a lot of rock and roll, a lot of rhythm and blues, um, and uh, so I would say that's kind of where my musical background like started. Just just listening to a lot of that stuff growing up with my parents, entertaining friends and playing records in the house and stuff like that. When I was ten years old, I didn't have too much of interest in music, but. Um, you know, I was into things like playing soccer and having a skateboard, things like that. Uh, right. And mind you, I grew up in North Myrtle Beach, uh, South Carolina. So there was like the beach and, you know, kids skated and surfed and did different things like that. So um, my parents took me to a concert <clears throat> called Farm Aid. And it was in okay. Ni- yeah. Yeah. It was in night. Yeah. And uh, this was uh, 1996. So I was 10 years old at the time. And, um, the headliners that year, uh, one of the headliners that year was Hootie and the Blowfish, and they were so big at the time that when they were asked to perform at Farm Aid, they said, well, we'll only do it if you do it in South Carolina. So, Oh, wow. So they <laughs> wow. did it in South Carolina at uh, williams Bryce Stadium where the Gamecocks play. And uh, my parents took my sister and I to that show, and it just was a a big moment um because like neil young and the crazy horse headlined uh john mellencamp of course hootie and the blowfish but the beach boys sun vault steve earl tim mcgraw rusty root um i mean just it just goes on and on right so that was just like a highly influential moment on me as a kid so when I got home from the concert, my dad got his Yamaha FG 180 red label acoustic out of the closet and started picking around on it. Cause he was really inspired. Like he just saw Neil Young on one of his favorites. And, uh, and so I kind of peeked my head through the door. Like that's playing the guitar. Like he never gets the guitar out. And he's like, come on in here and, you know, try this out. And so that's really what started it all. Like he was figuring out, Hey, Hey, my, my, you know, just by ear, like don't, 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 right, and right. Uh, and some other things. And he had kind of figured out, like, here comes the sun. He was really good at like figuring things out by ear. 
like if he sat there long enough, you know, he, he could, he could figure it out. Um, so he kind of showed me a, a few things there, but that's really where it all started. And, um, and then, you know, I don't know if you want, want me to get into the career stuff right now, but that's kind of where it all began, uh, with me I think, starting. Music, I think so. go for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. So, it. so, um, you know, after that, I just was obsessed with it. I was completely infatuated with playing the guitar. I'd go to school and the only thing on my mind all day was getting back home and picking that acoustic guitar up because, you know, you don't, I was starting out. I mean, I didn't, I couldn't do anything on it, but I was like, Oh, I want to get this chord so bad. I want my fingers to do this thing that they won't do yet. You know? So every day at school, I was like, man, I can't wait to get home and get that guitar out and try to try to get whatever I was trying to learn done. Um, so that, uh, just led me to to just start playing it all the time, and I more and more I kind of kept kept getting better at it, and uh, you know my parents were like, "Well, do you want to have lessons? You want to do all?" That? And I was kind of like, "Ah," you know, as a kid, it's funny. I was like, "No, I don't really, I don't really want any. I don't know. I just want to keep playing it." Because um, I had had like some piano lessons, like three of them, and I, I didn't like it. So I think I was turned off from from lessons at that age. No, I, I understand. So um, I started getting like guitar magazines and my friend down the street uh, was taking guitar lessons. So he knew how to read tablature and I would get these guitar magazines and he kind of taught me how to read tablature in the back of those magazines. And so that's what really kicked things off because then I was just obsessed with getting guitar worlds and guitar players and guitar ones and all the guitar magazines and anything in the back of those, those magazines I would try to learn. Um, so that's when things really started to kind of take off for me. I remember I learned the whole solo to You Shook Me All Night Long by ACDC. So that was like the first complete solo I ever learned. That was probably 12 or 13 at that time. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, remember, my folks saw that I was really into guitar, so they got me an electric guitar that was a harmony, and it came with an amp. Uh, it was called an Optimus amp. It was basically you remember the mail order catalogs like Belk and J.C. Penney and oh, of course, do you remember yeah. that stuff? So I think oh, yeah. this was a Finger Hut one or something. Anyway. You know, they bought me one of those like Christmas package things, like with the harmony guitar and the amp and the cable, <laughs> and the, probably came with a VHS or something too. But oh yeah, yeah. so many kids started off that, that way. Yeah, sure. yeah. So that's how I started too. You know, as as far as like that was my first electric thing, and then, uh, man, I just kept on playing, and finally, my dad found a Les Paul copy guitar it was made by a company called samic do you remember that company i definitely know samic yeah, yeah they're still around are they're they still just around like more yeah as far as i know they're more of like a uh i could be making this up but i think band in my head they do band instruments but they do like not samic guitars you know what i mean like okay. they do like they're there's they still make guitars or have them made or whatever the case may be but they like have different brands and they're all kind of like sort of like what you described, like the harmony mail order type stuff. Like yeah. it's like, you know, not like first act necessarily, but I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see if first act was made by Samick. They do a lot of things like that. 
as far as I know. But like in- entry level. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could be making that up. I could have just filled <laughs> everyone's head with a bunch of nonsense. But in my brain, that's what I remember hearing from somebody recently. I'm, I'm down. We need more mythology these days. <laughs> so, so Anyway. So, yeah. So, my dad got me this Samet copy, Les Paul, and uh, that, that eventually got stolen. But um, that's when things really got, you know, started to take off because... Um, uh, it was it was a nicer guitar than the harmony I got, and then they got me like a Marshall Valve State amp, a uh, little combo amp, and and uh, that's when things really kind of got serious. So I'll fast forward a little bit. You know, very young, started playing guitar at ten, self taught, um, step by step. My parents would get me nicer equipment, um, whatever they kind of could afford. They couldn't afford much. You know, it's not like I started out with like here's a Fender Strat, you know? (laughs) So kind of, it was a, it was a slow build. Um, and then around, uh, 15, uh, I started my own band in high school and we were called the revolving 45. (laughs) And, uh, and, uh, that's when I really started writing like original music and things like that. And, um, I ended up not finishing high school, because I just wanted to concentrate on music. I just, I did not care about schoolwork. And, you know, I wish I did finish high school, but it just, it was just something that happened. And um, I uh, dropped out my junior year. Well, the the band kind of split up as most high school bands do. And um, I was kind of getting known around town as like this young kid, this is probably age 17 at this point as this young kid that plays guitar really well. Um, and so I, uh, started getting called to like play with these cover bands downtown and stuff like that. And I wasn't even old enough. I wasn't even allowed to be in some of the bars and this is in Charleston, South Carolina, cause we had moved from, uh, North Myrtle beach. So started getting calls like that. And then, um, there was a band in Charleston called the working title who was signed to universal records. And they were like, you know, the local band that got signed. Um, and they were really good and they needed an extra guitarist to kind of fill a lot of the things that they, um, had put down on their record and everything. So, uh, my name got tossed in the hat. They ended up liking me, hired me. So I was, I was a hired gun, uh, starting at age 18. Wow, and, that's uh, amazing. And right around that time, I, I lost my father. And um, so, and it was like my father passed away, and then immediately getting in a van and doing some really hard touring. Um, but it was totally worth it because I was getting to see what it's really like, you know, especially, especially like oh, my dog's going crazy in the background. That's, <laughs> that's real, everybody. Um, stop podcasting. Yeah, Pay on. attention to me. Lucy, Lucy stop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hold on. I'm going to close my door. All right. Why? No worries. No worries. Lucy, this is stop. real. This is raw, everybody. Lucy's upset. All right. So um, I'm probably going to leave that in. I don't. Yeah, leave care. it in. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that that was that was a really like great opportunity for me because I was I was getting to see kind of like what the 
touring world and, and professional music world was all about, you know? Um, so the guy that was working for the band, he was sort of driving and selling merch. Um, his name was Jonathan Carmen. Um, he was a drummer and, you know, I still had my mind. I wanted to do my own thing. Um, so him and I, when we get back home off the road, we started like jamming and everything. And so I ended up being like, well, dude, we, you know, we need to start a band. So ultimately we did. And we found a bass player and I ended up leaving the working title. And uh, we started a, uh, a group called Leslie named after the Leslie speaker. And oh, very um, cool. yeah. And uh, it was like a, it was a power trio ultimately. I mean, we didn't start out being like, we're going to have a power trio, but ultimately that's what it was. And, um, so it was all, all original music and we made some EPs and I did that for around seven years. Uh, did that band. We toured a lot. We never made it overseas and we never actually had a booking agent and things like that, but we toured, um, as much as we could on our own and, and, uh, everything pretty much that's led me to, to, to now um, can be traced back to that band because you know everything that's happened to lead to lead me to here is is uh, because of that band because we used to open for Driving and Crying and we used to open for Jason Isbell and the Four Hundred Unit and things like that so that's when I really like met a lot of people especially in the Southeast um, and when Leslie disbanded in 2011. I moved to Nashville and simultaneously I got the call from driving and crying to join their band because their guitar player had quit. So I joined driving and crying, which those of you who don't know is a great American rock band from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and they were really popular in the late eighties and early nineties. And in the Southeast, they were just, they're just one of the big rock bands and they came out of the sort of REM era, you know, the South. Um, college, okay. All right. college rock thing. So I saw driving and crying open up for the who, when I was 10 years old. And so I'd been a fan for a long time. So getting that call was like a huge deal for me to, uh, wow. to, uh, play with, um, them and, and get to know the guys in the band and, and especially the, the singer songwriter front man, Kevin Kenny. And, uh, I did that for two years and then uh Jason Isbell calls me and says, Hey, I am looking for a guitarist to to join the band and and um you know, he was about to put out the record Southeastern and uh and here I am now, five years later. That's uh I know that's, that's a long winded story, but it's really not everyone acts like, Oh, I gotta I gotta make this short and it's like, yeah, oh, man, we can go as long as you want because yeah. all this is all this is fascinating to me. Like I I like to know, you know, what what makes people tick and how they got to where they are, because that's that's really what's fascinating about doing this. I mean, yeah, I like to nerd out on gear and and talk about this stuff, but it's really the people that make it interesting. Yeah, well, I know I left a lot of details out, but that's that's pretty much a good um, a little bit more than the Cliff's Notes, you know, version. So so that's really what's what's led me what's led me here. Um and uh and it's it's a good place to be i'm i'm super happy with with you know who i who i'm playing with and and the other things i get to do and and uh i'm fortunate to 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 have worked with some really good songwriters and um but like i said i can trace all this back to having my own band you know if i hadn't have done that and tried that for as long as i tried it um it may not have led me 
here. So I'm really thankful that I chased that down for a while. So, yeah, well, I mean, you did it for long enough that I could, I personally would think that you could say you didn't just try it. Like you did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Trying is like a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You did the thing. Yeah. You know, well, I guess I mean, um, in the sense of like, I tried to make that the thing, you know, um, and, uh, you know, it didn't. It was for a while. It was for a while, but it didn't become, you know, wh- how I supported myself and things like that. So, right. And, right. And, I understand. Uh, and in this business, you know, you have to support yourself. Uh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. 100%. I, you know, I kind of came up in the, you know, early 2000s, you know, punk rock thing. And you would in that, you know, when I was a teenager, I'd read about bands, quote unquote, selling out. And and, and uh, today as an adult, I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? like I mean, yeah, you don't want to like do something that compromises your morals. But well, like, yeah. yeah, you got to pay the bills. Like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever thought. Yeah, as, like one of the dumbest things I've ever thought. Compromising thought. your morals is one thing, but but trying to create music that not only you like, but you think other people will like too. That's another thing. <laughs> so totally. It's okay to want to make music that other people like yes. in my book. Yeah. That's totally fine. <laughs> and I think, yes. I think, you know, you should in some ways. So, well, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, there is a, a, a huge part of music that is cathartic and, is for you to express yourself in some way. And that is like a necessary thing that a lot of us have in us. But at the same time, it's really cool when people dig it. Like that's way cooler than nobody liking it. Yeah. That feels good. Yeah, for sure. And if you can do both, then there's the magic. Exactly. 100%. Um, well, I would, I would be remiss if I didn't say a couple things about this. Like a, <clears throat> excuse me, a, um, I'm a big fan of, of Jason's and I caught you guys when you came through Portland, Oregon here recently. And I want to ask you if it was weird playing at a zoo. <laughs> so you were at the zoo show. Uh, I was at the zoo show. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, it's definitely weird when you wake up and get <laughs> off the bus and it's like, like lions and like elephants and stuff. <laughs> and, uh, but it was, it was really cool. I just hope that, you know, we weren't bothering the animals in some way, <laughs> but it was a, it was a, very, it was a very cool space, you know, um, to, to do a concert. I liked it. It was cool. And I walked around the zoo some, so. Yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of funny. Be- I've, I've only caught two shows there. It's a, it's a, when I first heard about it, I'm like, that's a silly venue. But then when I actually saw the shows there, I'm like, actually, this is pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, uh, what's what's wonderful about it is, A, like it can fit quite a bit of people, but it doesn't feel like a big stadium show or anything. Yes. And and it's outdoors, which is nice. Yeah, it's outdoors. There's elephants. And the other part for me, and I don't know if you got to experience this at all. They had really wonderful food trucks in the back. Where you could go get like legit wood fired pizza and stuff. I, I didn't get to experience the food trucks, but I, I do love a food truck and a good one at that. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, being more than just an, an outdoor venue. Well, it's a zoo, but 
but yeah, it's a zoo. Everything like looks cool. You know, it's meant for people to come and enjoy the landscaping and all the stuff that that is is there for you to enjoy. So it's I, I like that concept. You know, it, it was it was sweet. And then Amy Mann opened up. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. That was <laughs> that was always that's always a treat. So, I mean, it sounds like a good night <laughs> to me. It was a great it was a great <laughs> night. And would you might find this kind of interesting? Uh, I I don't know this this is this is something I found interesting. So I caught you guys there, which and Amy and that made a lot of sense. That that style of music in that setting made a lot of sense. But what what didn't make a lot of sense, but was still really fun, is the like uh, the year prior to that, I believe. Or maybe a few months. I can't remember. My time gets all jumbled up. I caught Flogging Molly there, mm-hmm. which was a weird kind of experience because I the last Flogging Molly show I went to was like an indoor, maybe, you know, 1500 seat venue where everybody's like dancing and going to town, you know. So this was like a huge kind of, Contrast. you know, it's a pretty big venue. Yeah. And everyone's everyone was standing for the most part at the flogging Molly show, but nobody was like doing the thing that I associate with flogging Molly, which is like yeah. a whole bunch of swinging and dancing and skanking you know, it around. Was like, yeah, it was really weird, but it was still fun. But like, I don't know. It was a weird juxtaposition of shows for me. It'd be yeah. like <laughs> almost like seeing like, I could, the only w- way it could get weirder is if I seen like a metalcore show there or something, I think. I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> Yeah, and then you come to our show and everyone's crying. Dude. All the grown seriously. men are crying. <laughs> I, I, this is another confession time, and I've already told the listeners <laughs> this, but and you, I don't know if you can... Un, actually, maybe you, you were intimately involved in the process, so this would might be interesting. I remember when the most recent record came out, and I was listening on my way to my old job, and If We Were Vampires came on. I'd never heard it before. And I was literally sobbing. Oh, like, yeah. I hadn't had that happen maybe ever. <laughs> I don't like, think I have either. Crying. I was like, what is happening to me? I'm a grown man. Yeah. And it when Jason, like, what's the process like with you guys? Actually, that would probably be a better question. Well, uh, we don't hear anything before we uh, enter the studio on day one. Oh, okay. So it's really the the process is very uh just just raw and and kind of all happening in the moment um so you know like when he played that song um of course he has the the story of you know um his wife amanda was like let's do the vampire song let's do the vampire song and uh i think jason or amanda kept saying to dave like yeah, I, I won't, maybe want to do this vampire song next, or wait till you hear this vampire song. And I think Dave was like, <laughs> uh, "Yeah, we'll get to that at some point." Vampires? What the hell is he talking about? So right. <laughs> so, but but when he um, went in, and and obviously he went in alone on the floor, you know, on the tracking floor, and we were all in the control room, and he went and played it and sang it by himself. Um, all of us were like whoa, this is a good song. But I didn't really understand. I, I don't know. I mean, when you're in that moment, you're kind of listening to a lot of different things. And so I didn't really like dial in on the lyrics quite yet. Um, I just mm-hmm. knew that 
I dialed in on some of them and I just knew it was a beautiful song. But when I got the masters to listen to of the whole record, it got the vampires and um, I was actually in the, in the, I had it on the stereo and I was in the, the bedroom uh, making our bed and I was like tossing the sheet, like, you know, shaking it out and laying it on the bed. And like, I was listening to the song and I just started crying. <laughs> and I was like a grown man making the bed crying, listening to <laughs> a record that he's a part of. Like it's just it was just a lot of like funny things. But I mean that song is just so real and heavy and and um it's such a beautiful way to think about like death, you know, that's imminent for everyone. And um mm-hmm. and you know having lost both of my parents at a, at a young age that, you know, I mean, that kind of thing, like, you know, it hits me. So, and, uh, and, but not only me, it hits a lot of people. So it should hit everyone because it's something that's, um, that happens to all of us. So that's just a beautiful song. And, uh, it's really, um, it's something else to play that song live and just kind of look out and see some of the reactions out there. It can be pretty heavy sometimes because you don't know what, what people are going through or not going through. Right. Or just thinking about or, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, there's something to that track in particular. Uh, you know, everything about it is, is awesome. I think it's, you know, I think it's one of the best songs I've ever heard. And I agree. I with think, you. I think, I think that universally everyone that I've ever showed that song to or talked to about it is like, like, you know, there's, you know, there's something to it when everyone's like that song, man. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I I remember my wife showing me this video and you may have seen it. Um, there's these, these guys on, on YouTube that do like, they basically react to songs and there's a lot of guys that do this, but they I've generally, this, yeah. You know, yeah, they focus on hip hop. Yeah. Um, and they were just like borderline in tears listening to it. And then somebody commented because they were, they didn't realize it was Amanda singing harmony. Yeah. And they were like, man, whoever this girl is, is awesome. And they, somebody commented on it. Like, yeah, that's his wife. They're like, Oh man, they would have lost it. Like <laughs> it was a, it's a great video. Look it up people. It's a, I don't know what it's called, but if you feel like if we were vampires reaction, I'm sure you'll, you'll yeah. see it. Yeah, I know exactly. I don't know if I've seen that one, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, I would definitely, and maybe I'm biased, but I don't think so. I would put that song in the upper echelons of like great songs for sure. I mean, to me, and and this could be a pretty controversial statement, but to me, it's like it's up there with like Yesterday or something by the Beatles. I mean, I don't know. It's just like, it's just, it's a, I don't know. I just, I would no, put I it up there against a lot of, uh, of you know those songs that are known as like the greatest songs i truly feel that way not not i i want band so (laughs) here's cheers to jason for writing that yeah big time you tell him you tell him uh next time you see him i a big personal thank you from me and my wife because she loves it too yeah actually what's really funny is i i told her that we were doing this but I walked in the house to to grab you. Well, I told you I grabbed some batteries for my mouse and <laughs> she's listening to uh, she's listening to Southeastern when I walked in there. Oh, sweet. I was, I was like, oh, well, which is not at all uncommon. She's always right. listening to it, right. something. But <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is kind of funny. <laughs> 
Does she know you're uh, working with me today? She does. Okay. She does. She's very she's, she's very excited about it. Yeah, she was in the mood to listen to to some stuff. Cool. Yeah, just good stuff. But that could be literally any day of the week that she would be listening to that. But yeah, it was just kind of funny. I'm like, oh, I'm okay. Well, I'm gonna grab these batteries real quick and <laughs> run back out. Here. Oh, uh, okay, that's weird, but uh, okay. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's awesome. coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> so I I told I I wasn't the, oh she wasn't the only one looking forward to this. But before we get too into the gear stuff, I I have yeah. a Facebook group and I told them you were coming on. And some people had some questions for you. All right. Um, and so let me bring those up. I had them queued up. And then, of course, my phone re- did something dumb. So let me pull that up real fast. This is very professional podcasting. OK, let's see what some of the questions we got. OK, um, another Blake, Blake Lawson, asked, um, he wants to know, is there because like Jason, like you are a very accomplished guitar player. And Jason is obviously a very accomplished guitar player. And the whole band, the 400 unit is like insanely talented. Do you, how do you, um, do you struggle at all? Or is it relatively easy to find a place to kind of slot in with another like epically talented guitar player? I reworded his question a little bit, but that's okay. basically what he was. Um, well, first off, hello, Blake. Thanks for the question. Um, do I find it? Uh, tough. I mean, I'm maybe I should read I, it ver- verbatim and that will make a little more sense. Um, his question would be, what are the real world struggles of finding your place sonically in a band like the 400 unit? Okay. Um, I wouldn't say there's, there's struggles, but I would, it's really important. Um, the most important thing is, is what not to play what what you're what you know what you shouldn't play um or let me rephrase that when you shouldn't play i think is okay really important like i've i've told people before like the best pedal i have is a tuner because it like <laughs> meaning the on and off switch is the best pedal <laughs> because <laughs> it's really not about like always playing it's about like stopping and starting again and so um, you know, I just try to do things that are going to float like, well, I'll, I'll give you, I'll just get more exact. Um, we'll get the exacto knife out here. Like Derry has, uh, his, his parts as we all have our parts, like melodic lead lines and things like that that we play. And then a lot of it's sort of, uh, interpreted, um, from night to night as Jason encourages. He obviously the signature melodic lead lines need to be there, but he doesn't want somebody just playing like the same solo every single night or whatever. Like, you know, you can, you can stretch out a bit. Um, so, but you know, Jason, while he's singing, you know, I mean, he's, he's pretty much playing the guitar throughout the song and he actually starts a lot of the songs off with him playing the guitar. So, uh, Derry, me, it's really me and Derry that are kind of floating, um around each other so it's it's really just it's not really a struggle it's just like listening to to what's going on and a lot of the you know the stuff that Darius doing isn't necessarily going to change like too much night after night so because he's dealing with he's playing like two keyboards at one time and he's really got a lot of signature parts going on so i'm i'm kind of like i it's honestly easy for me to just kind of float around and, you know, not play too much, but I can just, I can throw in 
some licks and and things like that and mess around with some different effects from night to night. So um, it's it's not really a struggle, but I try to be tasteful with it. So, well, mission accomplished. I can thank you. Test to that. (laughs) Yes, Um, that was a great answer. Okay, good. (laughs) That was. was, I mean, that's that's what I expected you to say, but it was it was because that's that's how it comes off. You know, and Good. I think that's probably why he asked the question. In the no, first I'm not place. saying I wouldn't struggle struggle elsewhere in another band. I just mean in this in this particular um, setup, and we're all used to playing with each other, so it's not really a struggle. It's just more of like, I guess, you know, don't play too much. So right, or at right. least serve I, the I'm song. Just, yeah, yeah, and and that's where I come from as a player, and and all my favorite guitar players were like in bands and stuff, like like all my guys, you know. Um, were song servants and songwriters and stuff like that. So, um, and I'm fortunate that Jason is a great guitarist. You know, it's, it's awesome because I mean I feel like we push each other, um, all the time. You know, and 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 uh, he he likes to step out and take a solo, and then sometimes he passes it off to me, and, and it depends on what he did with his solo. Is um, can uh influence how i'm going to treat my solo and, right uh, right and honestly it's cool to have another player in the band that's really good on the guitar <laughs> you know, it's, instead of like him not being so accomplished and he likes to take a bunch of solos <laughs> yeah that's I mean? another problem <laughs> that's a yeah. whole yeah that's a whole other problem that's so. what it's like being in a band with me <laughs> yeah no so, don't just, yeah, yeah. I, I don't solo much i just <laughs> beat things into submission with fuzz pedals. <laughs> yeah. Um let's see, let's see pull up a couple other ones here. Um I know Jason uses some. I'm not sh- so sure if you actually do, but you would have some insight into this. Luke Glover wants to know about the pros and cons of using vintage guitars on the road. Okay. Well, I don't own too many vintage guitars. Um I actually just bought a Vox Grand Prix and I'm not even sure the the year of it. It might be like a might be like a 1968 Vox Grand Prix. So that right now that's the oldest guitar I own. And then aside from that is a uh B Bender Tele made by the company Tokai and uh mm-hmm. that is some somewhere in the 80s um as far as when it was made and uh and then um the next next in line to that is my 92 uh Rickenbacker 12 string which is a uh reissue but it was it was built in 1992 so you know those are really my vintage guitars um but pros and cons uh i'm not really sure that'd be more of a a question for jason um but mm-hmm. But uh, he's got a wonderful guitar tech named Michael Bethencourt. So Michael really knows how to take care of those guitars. And I would say cons being like if you're carrying vintage guitars and you're touring in a van and trailer, there's just cons all over the place with that um, because they're vintage guitars and you're traveling around in a van and trailer. Now the way the way we <laughs> obvious. the way we travel now is is you know we have a we have a truck and the guitars are in a vault and things like that. So they have. Um, humid humidifiers in the vault and things like that. So there's really not too many at a certain level. Um, so for, you know, for Jason, I mean, we're both the type of players like uh, 
Unless it's like the guitar that Stairway to Heaven was recorded on or something like that. I mean, we're going to play them. We like playing, you know, right. we don't own the guitars to hang on the wall or put in a glass case. So, um, you know, we and and we like to change guitars for songs. And it's not just for looks. I mean, we really are changing guitars um, for for the different tones to serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. So, for the sound or the feel sorry. or both. Yeah. Apologies for not answering that question. Um, I guess maybe how you know what you would expect, how you would expect me to answer, but I guess it really depends on how you're traveling. So those are the pros. Okay. And cons. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you answered another one inadvertently uh, when when somebody Brett Alexander asked, "Does he need a guitar tech?" It doesn't sound like you do. <laughs> so uh, there's that. We'll keep you in uh, mind. Brett. <laughs> we got a couple more. Uh, uh, actually, we don't have that many more. We, but we do have some one more really good one. Sean Dolan just wants me to tell you thank you. And, thank you, Sean. Uh, so there you go. And then this thank is the God. last one from the listeners, and this is a very good one. And I think you'll you'll have some you'll have some good insight into this. How do you keep your hair so silky smooth? From <laughs> Stephen Reynolds. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, well, I didn't make any of these up, by the yeah, way. These are fine. legit. <laughs> that's fine. Like, if if this is silky smooth to you, then <laughs> um, I, I want to know what rigid looks like. But uh, I, I mean, <laughs> okay. Well, here's what I do: I shampoo it, and then I and then I brush it. <laughs> oh, well, that go. sounds. That sounds complicated. It's genetics then. <laughs> so sorry, Stephen, you're out of luck. I don't use Thanks a hair dryer. Um, so there you go, man. Air dry. <laughs> Air dry, baby. And then yeah, I like to go like every other day washing it. So you, you might have caught me on like one of those interim days where I hadn't shampooed mm-hmm. it. So me a little extra grease. So ah, yeah, yeah. The natural oils, keeping it fresh. Yeah. Yeah. And this podcast has been I've never asked anyone that. by Tressa May. <laughs> hey, let me just say as a as a podcaster, and you can relate to this as a musician, if Tressa May wants to sponsor this episode, uh, info at tomob.com, get at me. Yeah, we'll make it let's happen. do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all right, that's enough. Of, that's Dr. all Brothers. of the listener question for now. Um, but let's get into what we should have been talking about 35 minutes ago, probably. Okay. What's your rig looking like these days? You talked about your guitars. What about the pedal board and the rest of the goodies? So, um, the amps, let's start with the amps. So I'm still using my, uh, third power British dream One Twelve combo, mm-hmm. which is one side of it is a Vox, uh, 59 AC and then the other channel is based on a Marshall 68 Plexi and I switch between those pretty much the whole show uh, between those those two channels for different guitars and different parts and stuff and uh, and then I've been using a, a Vox hand-wired AC 30 with uh, Alnico blue speakers and um and uh, I just actually bought a 1965 Vox pacemaker um, that's usually a solid-state mm-hmm. amp, but this one's all tube. And so I switched out my AC30 for, for this pacemaker because it sounds 
so good. And um, shout out to Trevor Boone at Emerald City Guitars because he's the one who uh, hooked me up with that amp. And um, Ooh, that's a wonderful shop. Yeah, great Seattle. shop. Yep, in Seattle. Yep, uh, great folks there. And uh, so that's that's it amp-wise. And they're both on the whole show. Both on all the time? Okay. All the time, yep. Um, and, and really, the, the way I see it with that is that if one amp went down, God forbid both of them go down at the same time, which would be rare, but if one amp went down out front for the front of house engineer, mm-hmm. he's got something. Like if he loses, some, like he's got another amp. So it's just kind of, and he, and he's, he's, he mixes both of them in to the mix. But um, if, like I said, if one amp goes down, the other one's there. So just kind of a, a safety there. Um, That's a good point. And it doesn't even have to be the amp. It could be the mic or the cable or anything else in between too. So that's yep. something I never really thought of before. Yep. Um, and I also just like the sound of two amplifiers as well, like in phase and everything. It sounds great. Um, so, uh, so we'll move on to, um, I'm going backwards, starting with the amp. <laughs> All right, moving through That's the cable fine. now. We're going into the pedal board. Um, the pedal board actually is is pretty simple. Um, guitar into a uh, Michael Bethencourt, uh, our guitar tech, built a uh, junction box that I go into, and then that has a line out to my tuner, and then it's got the um, two lines going out to the amps, and then it has a line that goes into my effects. So it's, it's, and that's got a buffer in it as well. Um, so like basically out of that junction box and then, and then he's got a, a in from, from the last of the pedals going back into that junction box. So he's wired it to where it's acts is like a pedal board, but it's just nice and neat with the junction box. And I have a kill switch on the junction box that goes to my tuner and also have a volume pedal that I can kill as well. So into the junction box, and then uh, the first, you know, it's not really an effect, but I use a Dunlop volume pedal, and then that goes into a uh, a uh, Crybaby Wah. Got to have the Wah Wah pedal. And then from there I go into, um, I believe I go into my uh, compression. Yes, go into my compressor, which is a uh, Forest Green, uh, Matt Professor. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, after that, I think I'm going into my uh, time base effects. I want to say I could be wrong on that, but uh, I, I play my time base effects. I have an analog man dual delay, and I have the uh, blue sky Strymon. Mm-hmm. And then for gain structures, I have the Greer Light Speed, which I Ooh, love. Good pedal. Good yep, pedal. Good pedal. Um, I have the uh, Greer Amps uh, Tar Pit, mm-hmm. which is a great pedal. And then I have the um, King of Tone. Ah, classic. And, uh, and so I've got all those, all my gain staging going into a, a Walrus uh, Transit Looper. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's at the bottom of my board so I can access like, you know, probably my most used pedal is uh, the yellow side of the King of Tone, which is like I use it as like a clean boost. And then... Um, so I have like all that going in. I have both channels of the King of Tone in each individual channel on a looper. So I can access the King of Tone yellow or the King of Tone red or stack them in series. And I have the light speed, the compressor, uh, the 
uh, fuzz, the tar pit. And then beside the looper, I have my third power amp switcher. So, and that's, that's a gain stage as well because I've switched between Vox to the Marshall side and the Marshall side is going to be more crunchy. Right. Of course. So, so, um, and then I'm forgetting one important piece. I have the blue line six modulation pedal. Oh, <laughs> you don't hear about those too often. Most people about always want to often. talk about yeah, the DL four, but yeah, you like that modulation pedal. I mean, it just does it. It just does what I need it to do. I don't have to bank. Like it's not like an even tight H nine or a Strymon. Um, was it Mobius or whatever? <laughs> it just I preset. You know, I've got four presets, so I don't need more modulation effects than that necessarily. So I have like slow Leslie, then fast Leslie, and then I have um, tremolo, and then I have pitch vibrato. So those are the modulation settings I have. And I just like it because it's it's just basic pretty much. And I I can just click that button and that just that's what I'm gonna get at. It's fast. Like if I want to throw a tremolo or something on on a part, I don't have to bank on anything and it's just there. It's accessible for me. Boom. So that's why I like that pedal. And it sounds fine to me. You know, and and uh, I know that like Mike Campbell used it for a while, or or maybe still uses it. Look, if it's good enough for Mike Campbell, it's good enough for me. Yeah, that's that's a that's a worthy thing to stand by. I think if he uses it, yeah, it's probably probably gonna work for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> me I, I just yeah, I just feel like I mean, one of the one of the best guitarists ever. You know, I mean, if it works, if and I've seen him live plenty of times. And if he's using that on his modulation stuff, it sounds great. So, you know, and it's modulation. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm weird with modulation. I, I, uh, I love, I love flanger. And yeah. I, I feel, like, I feel like I'm sometimes I didn't, I didn't realize this until a couple podcasts ago when I was like, what do you mean people hate flanger? And then I realized actually, yeah, I heard that a lot. Um, <laughs> A lot of people hate flanger, but man, I love a good flange pedal. I like a flanger. A I flanger, like yeah. Flanger. Yeah. <laughs> I just put some well, flang on it. Well, fl- flangers are, uh, I'm going to call it flangers for the rest of the afternoon. That's um, fine. Let's do it. Yeah. Those are good. I mean, it's a, it, you, you tread lightly, but it's, it's a cool effect. And um, it's also like cool to throw on like some, like throw it on like piano, like in the studio. Or mm-hmm. something, you'd be surprised at what it does to like other instruments too. So don't be hating on the flanger out there, all right? Yeah, um, get on, get your flang yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, uh, and then you know I like a good phaser. I love phaser. Um, but how I do really you do the like, outlaw country without the phaser? Yeah, and uh, I but I, I like a pitch vibrato, man. Something about the pitch vibrato I'm, I'm really into. I mean, if you've seen us live, I use it on like Speed Trap Town. I use it on uh, the bridge to our song Anxiety. I mean, it, it shows yes, up. Yes, yes. Okay, shows that's up. what you were doing there. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded really good. There you go. Blue line pitch six. vibrato. There you go. I, I, another another uh, modulation I like that is sometimes... Like, I don't know if in a live setting I would be able to pick it out, but like when I'm nerding out by myself, I really like harmonic tremolo. A good harmonic tremolo yeah. is underrated, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that yeah. There's so many different types of of tremolo pedals and stuff like that. Like, like uh, it's cool when you can find. It's cool that there are so many different types, and you can find different tremolo-y things instead of just your basic bias tremolo or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, and then um, and actually, my Vox pacemaker has an awesome tremolo built in to it. Um, and then guitar-wise, I think I bring in like seven guitars out on the road right now. But but obviously, my my main my main girl is my Gibson SG. Um, and then uh, I just got a, a custom shop telly from Fender. Ooh! And uh, thank you, Ben Blanc Dumont at Fender for for hooking that up. I did I did the uh, demos for their 2018 line of uh, Pro Juniors and and uh, Hot Rod. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Pro Junior and Blues Junior amps. Oh, very cool. So I was I was the 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 product demo guy for Fender on those amps, and so they they uh. Um, made me a guitar. I got to pick Ooh. out all the specs on that guitar. So that's a it's a really beautiful instrument. And um and then what else am I playing? I'm playing my uh <clears throat> Gibson Les Paul custom shop with the sixties neck. And uh that one I love to play. I've got my Tokai B bender. I've got my um black uh Tele Custom with uh Lindy Fraylin pickups. And um what other guitars am I using? Is that a is that a Tele Custom in the 70 sense where it's got the wide ranger? Yes. It's oh, got the wide good. range. Yep. And I've got my Rickenbacker 12 string. And then I'm playing that uh acoustic uh HD 28 retro by Martin. Mm -hmm. And um I think that's it right now. That's a solid lineup. You got a you got a good range there. You'd cover just about anything with the with that that lineup yeah. of guitars. Yeah, I'm yeah, and so guitars are really like pedals for me. Okay, tell me what you mean. Well, what I mean is all those guitars I named. When you plug each guitar in, they don't sound the same. Oh no, so totally. Not. I used that as for each song. You know, like to me, that is that's the that's the best pedal you can own is like the guitar itself. Like, so I think of it that way. Like, instead of playing this guitar because I love the way it sounds, what pedal am I going to add for the song? Well, it's like start with the guitar first. Like what? Like because oh, and I have a Strat. I'm sorry, I forgot about my Fender Strat. So there you go. I'm really covering all the. There you go. All, all of it for, for the most part. So, um. So yeah, I mean, like a Strat is going to sound completely different from a Les Paul, and an SG is going to sound different from a Tele, and vice versa. So, you know, to me, that that's what I mean by that is is start there before you think about any pedals. I gotcha, I gotcha. That's interesting that you said that because I mean, like I said, we did an album a long time ago, and finally starting the process again of writing another one, but the. Uh, we we were really nerdy. We got three guitar players and we're we're all hyper gear nerds. And so it was like, OK, what are you playing on this song? You're playing a Telecaster and you're playing. OK, and you're playing a Strat. Okay, I'm going to play my Les Paul then. You yeah. Know, like making sure that we weren't stepping on each other's toes. No, that's from, smart from that. You know. Do you guys you guys do that all the time or do you mix it up? Kind of just you look over. Oh, he's playing. Oh, he's playing the Strat now. I'm going to think I'm going to grab my sg but you're mainly playing your sg though i suppose 
Yeah, well, I mean, now it's it's none of my guitars get more love than the next because they, the way our set list is now, I mean, it's just I'm playing them all, you know, and they all serve a different purpose. So, you know, sometimes Jason's playing his Blackguard Telly and I've happened to be playing my custom shop on that song. And you know what? That's fine. <laughs> two Blackguards. There's nothing wrong with nothing wrong with two Tellys. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. And 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 again, you know, his fingers and my fingers, they sound different. You know, his amps and my amps. So, you know, it's going to sound different um, no matter what. Um, but, uh, yeah, I like to think of guitars as pedals first. Like, like instead, like, the, obviously, they're guitars first. I just mean before I get into what I'm going to use, like, this strap may give me the effect that or whatever color that I'm hearing in my head before I stomp on a pedal. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. So, yeah. I want to pivot a little bit uh, here in this getting close to the end, but I when people have uh, had the experiences that you've had, I've always find that this tends to be kind of a funny, uh, funny question. What is like the coolest or craziest thing that you've seen out on the road? That you that you can legally discuss. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd have to say. I'm I'm just gonna go with like a, a a cool moment that we've had, um, and that that was having a David Crosby sit in with us at Newport Folk Festival this this year. Um, I mean that that was just one of the coolest moments I think for all of us, and uh, we got to play Ohio with him. And we also Whoa. got to play Wooden Ships, but really just getting to hang out with him too beforehand and and uh, after the show. Um, you know, it's nice sometimes when like folks like that do like talk to the band and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's, a obviously he has a connection with Jason, um, but he was really cool to the whole band and, and was just kind of palling around with us backstage before and after the show. And, and I'd say that was one of the coolest moments I've been a part of, um, now, craziest, I'm not good on the spot with thinking about, you know, when we finish this podcast, I will think of the craziest thing that I've seen. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we don't, we, we're not a crazy band. It, it'd be more, it'd probably be more like travel related, um, you know, but, uh, but we have a really great time on the road. And, um, but yeah, I would say like coolest moment, especially this year david crosby playing with us i mean he's a legend oh for sure that is pretty incredible yeah all right well we're we're getting into the home stretch here and this is this is the big question okay the one that oh god yeah that's what people say they get they get a little nervous this is a, a heavy hitter and uh and I hope you are, you're sitting, you've been sitting down for this, right? This is not, I am sitting down. I'm actually, I'm sitting Indian style on my carpet. Okay. Well, that's, well, that's, that's even better. Cause then you, you won't fall too far. Um, but what kind of pizza do you like? <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, I know this may sound boring, but I'm just like a straight up pepperoni, man. That's not like, boring. It's pepperoni pizza. How do you argue with that? You can't argue with that. There's no argument to be made. Pepperoni pizza, especially when you get the pepperonis, like the little pepperonis mm-hmm. that curl up. 
Mm-hmm. And they form the little grease cups. Yeah, little like grease bowls, like like Tony's mm-hmm. frozen pizza back in the day. <laughs> oh man, I'm kind of hungry now. Yeah, I'm kind of actually speaking of pepperoni pizza. Shout out to Apollo Pizza in uh, Richmond, Kentucky, because we just we just played at a uh, EKU this past weekend, and the the fella or or person at uh, uh, Apollo Pizza hooked us up after the show, and that pepperoni pizza was some of the best pepperoni pizza I've ever had. Oh, there you go. It was delicious. That's phenomenal. And I like kind of a thinner crust. You read my like, mind. That was going to be my next question. Yeah, I don't really like like the the thick doughy stuff. Like it's too much bread, too much. Um, I like that. It's got to have a nice uh, crunch. I like the cheese to be, you know, not burnt, but just got that nice little, yeah, little, little char on it. Like not char, but you know what I mean. Just kind of a little brown and bubbly. Mm-hmm. And I like the sauce to be, well, perfect, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but not too much sauce. Like I don't want to be like feel like I'm eating spaghetti, you know. Um just like a nice layer. Just mm-hmm. a nice layer. Just enough to keep it yeah. moist. Yeah. Yeah, not too dry. So that's that's my ideal pizza. And what kind of pizza do you like? What kind of pizza I like? Well, this gets flipped around on me more often than <laughs> you'd think. Um I got two kind of two answers. So like A, I really like like I'm I'm all aboard the New York style pizza train now. Like I was skeptical early on in life before I'd actually been to New York City. Now that I've been there, I'm like, ah, you guys are right. Yeah. This stuff is amazing. Yep. So that's that's it. So you, you know, like then, New York style. Yeah, like New York style. Um Grimaldi's pizza in Brooklyn's probably the best pizza I've ever ate. So shout out to Grimaldi's. It's a classic for a reason. So you're you're going stylistic on me. So you like the New York style pizza? Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I because I do like a lo- a wide variety of of different toppings. But like, if I had to, you know, take it down to the bare bones basics, I'm with you. I want a New York style pizza with pepperoni. Like, yeah, maybe maybe like sprinkle a little bit of that sawdust on top, and and some just a just a dash of the red pepper flakes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but on the other side of the coin, I Uh-oh. really like uh, wood-fired Italian style. Oh God, too. here he goes. Yeah, well, here I don't he know goes. I just, I really like food. I really, really like food. I do too. I do too. I'm a huge like I. A lot of people, you know, if I would have started a food podcast, we might have talked about guitar pedals more. But like, we oftentimes go off the deep end into the land of food, and so here I am just thinking about thinking about all the different pizzas I could make. All right. Spaghetti bolognese or spaghetti and meatballs? Spaghetti and meatballs. Okay. See, I'm a bolognese. I mean, it's both solid. Like, yeah. either way. Yeah. But, but I what like do you spaghetti mean? and meat sauce instead uh, of... Well, yeah, I feel that. See what I'm saying? I, I do. I do see what you're saying. And that, And when that's done right, it's really hard to beat. It is. It, it so, really is. Here's it's, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about this because I I'm a big fan of barbecue, okay, and bar- barbecuing, and you're from South Carolina. Yeah, we don't talk about barbecue down here. That's just like the politics and religion and barbecue. We don't talk about them things. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
We can what talk about talk? barbecue. Let's talk about barbecue a little bit. <laughs> I know we're we're going over a little bit, but that's okay. Let's talk care. about barbecue. All right. Tell me about what do you want to know about it? I want to know how you feel as a South Carolina native. Like where where do you stand on this whole dry rub, mustard sauce, no sauce? Like where where do you Texas style? What what do you think? Dude, Memphis? I know exactly where I stand. Tell me. Uh I don't feel well, for one, let me just start here. I don't like mayonnaise. Okay. Okay. I know that might be offensive to some people, but you know what? You know what's offensive when you when you don't list that something has mayonnaise on it, and it comes with mayonnaise on it. I would agree with that. I like okay. mayonnaise, but I I okay. agree that and it that, needs to be stated. And that's fine. But if you're you know, I, if if on the menu I'm ordering a cheeseburger, and it says okay, cheeseburger comes with lettuce, tomato, onion. Okay, when I get the burger. Why is there mayonnaise all over it? Doesn't say that on the menu. So I, I would oh, agree with that. And and I'm segueing into sauce. I like to apply my own sauce. Like mm-hmm. I don't like someone else's version of the amount of sauce they think I should have on my food. See what I'm we're saying? We're like we're like spirit animals on this. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, you know, uh, just sauce on the side, and I'll kind of take my own journey with it. So with barbecue, the reason I said all that is with barbecue, um, I like for the pork to be awesome before I add anything. It's the, and you know what? This is perfect because it goes back to what we were talking about with pedals mm-hmm. <laughs> and guitars. Yeah, and how you start I with the guitar. Them. Yeah. Yes. Like, the, it's just... it's. It, it, Look, it's the same with songwriting, but with barbecue, I like the bar the pork to taste awesome before I do anything to it. So if your pork isn't a lot of South Carolina stuff with like the mustard sauce, it's like they they slop it on there on a bun for you. The sauce is already like mixed in. Well, it just tastes like mustard. That's all it tastes like. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a fan. So I'm I'm more like of a fan of the dry rub pork and then probably the um I like a clear like vinegar with like like pepper vinegar is kind of my is is my go to. And I the mustard base is fine. But um and I like red sauce too, but I'm I'm more the I was born in Charlotte, North Carolina, so maybe that's where it comes from because like North Carolina, like Lexington style barbecue is the vinegar base. I like the vinegar base. Yeah. And I like the vinegar-based slaw. Like I don't want mayonnaise slaw on my oh. on my barbecue. You know, go ahead That's, and say that one more time for everybody because I could I not agree with you more. I don't like mayonnaise slaw on my barbecue sandwich. Well, I don't like mayonnaise. So I don't like mayonnaise slaw on anything. But I like just like the the vinegar like cabbage slaw. I like mayonnaise. Let me just put it out there. I'm yeah. a big fan of mayonnaise. I don't use too much, but I really enjoy mayonnaise. You like a just a a just a um. A reasonable spread. Yes. Okay. But I don't want mayonnaise slaw. I like the vinegar no. slaw. Yeah. It's too, it's too much. It's too much it's, for me to deal with. Well, it's, you know what it is? It's gross. You're just going to say it. It's gross. <laughs> it's what it is. It's gross. There you have it. Yeah. So the same with songwriting. Like, if the song is shit, then adding a bunch of stuff doesn't really make it better. Then it just sounds like a bunch of stuff. <laughs> 
That's <laughs> true. It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't work at all. You're right. This is what I'm saying. This is <laughs> I, what lo- I'm saying. I, I like that. <laughs> you got to start with a solid base. So you're right. You got to start with good pork. Yeah. Or 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 beef. You know, if you're a brisket guy, which I like both, just depends on my mood. Yeah, I like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You got to do that right and then add the sauce to it. Look, you want to talk about burgers? Can, you can, know? We, can we talk about burgers? Yeah, I mean, so the burger, like season the meat. Season do it the right. Meat. Mm-hmm. Do it right. That's the, that's the base, all right? Mm-hmm. That's your song. You know, yes. that's your pork. That's your guitar. Everything else is, is the effects you apply to it. Yeah. And then if you want to put a whole salad buffet on top of it, that's well, you know, that's up to you. Yeah. But the the the, the meat the meat literally has to be there. It's got to be there. In songwriting, yeah. in food and in life, the meat's <laughs> got to be done right. This one's I, yes. I almost said done well, but I don't want it done well. No, I, I don't want... <laughs> no. no. <laughs> yeah. Good save. That was Good close. Save. I was gonna, you know, I meant I was gonna like make that statement. I was like, I was like, no, not done, not well done. No, 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 no. Medium rare, medium no, rare. No, you want it done right. Yes, yes. correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is exactly. beautiful. This yeah, is beautiful. Well, that Sadler, sums it up, Sadler. I think they couldn't possibly cap this episode off in any better way. But I would like to give you the opportunity before we close this out to tell people where they can find out more about. Whatever you want them to find out about it doesn't have to be about you. It could be about anything. It's your chance <clears throat> to put up a billboard. Okay. Well, um, you can. Uh, I encourage you to to listen to. Um, I put out three of my own singles this year. Um, one of them's called uh, Monster, and the other two are called Still Kids and Anywhere But Here, and they're on iTunes and they're on Spotify and Tidal and all those things. You can listen to music and buy music from. Um, you can go to sadlervaden.com. I just put out a brand new shirt and I'm offering uh, signed LPs in the store there. So sadlervaden.com, click the store. Um, follow me on Spotify and Apple Music and all those things and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I'm on all that stuff so you can uh, keep yourself updated with whatever I'm up to there. Um, I would I would list some shows, but I'm not sure when this is going to air, so I don't want to I don't want it to be, you know, um, airing after after those shows, but um, I was told that to I was told to put this up in late January, so around Nam time actually will probably be when it comes out. Okay, great. Well, I'm gonna be at Nam. So, Me too. Yeah, and um, and then we we've, we've got a lot of dates with Jason Isbell and the 400 unit getting booked right now next year. So y'all come see us next year. Um, Southervaden.com. Check out my new music and uh, check out those new shirts. And uh, there you go. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for coming on, man. This has thanks been a awesome. lot, Blake. All right, everybody. Yes. Oh, you're welcome back anytime. This has been fantastic. Cool. Love I'll it. see you next week. You don't. I mean, I'll do it. <laughs> I really will. You don't don't make promises you're not willing to keep, buddy. <laughs> thanks for having me, man. Yes, sir. All right, everybody. For Sadler, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. There you have it, folks. We've got another one wrapped up for you. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And if you need a little more, of course, we got more on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash tone mob. You can hear 
the extended version of this conversation. We talked for quite a bit longer. We got really into the into the weeds about a lot of highly important subjects. So if you uh, are interested in this kind of conversation, there's always more on Patreon. We've got a ton over there for you, and it's just five bucks a month gets you access to extra episodes each week just right there, right for your ears, and it helps keep these regular ones coming as well. So thank you very much for all of that, and I hope you enjoyed this. If you enjoyed it, share it with your friends, tell your grandma about it. You know, let's get more of them sweet, sweet downloads. Uh, I've been seeing an, quite an increase lately in in those downloads, actually, so I think my pleas are starting to work. So thank you guys very, very much for everybody that's uh, shared this with someone or, you know, just told somebody about it. That helps a tremendous amount, uh, boosting the signal, if you will. So uh, thank you very much for that, and I will talk to you next week and hopefully see a bunch of you at NAM. All right, later. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.